Good morning, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, what comes to mind when you hear the words retirement planning? Making the right investments, your 401k, your IRA, maybe your company's pension plan, although that's pretty rare these days. Well, all of those things are important, but incomplete, we'll explain. Also this morning, Hancock County Economic Development Director Tim Miley explains why he calls a major new residential development on Findlay's North End a major step toward the so-called gateway vision for the area. And whether due to inflation, opportunities brought on by the labor shortage, or simply out of boredom, a large number of older Americans are looking to rejoin the workforce. A senior job fair this week will help match them with available opportunities. We'll get details. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, May 16th, 2022. Today is Mimosa Day. I don't know if this is by design on a Monday, but I think it's a happy coincidence. If not Mimosa Day today, it is Love a Tree Day, National Piercing Day, (laughs) National... National Sea Monkey Day. You remember the advertisements for sea monkeys, the back pages of uh, comic books when you were a kid? I always wanted to order some sea monkeys. I always, always wanted some sea monkeys. Um, never got any, though. A Biographer's Day today. Wear Purple for Peace Day, and it is the International Day of Light. Now, all we need is a little sunshine to celebrate the International Day of Light. Um, So congratulations to the University of Findlay women's golf team. Undefeated national champions. That is pretty impressive. Undefeated. You remember when the uh, Oilers basketball team won the national championship? They went undefeated. University of Findlay, you know, we don't don't do anything if we don't go all out. I mean, if you're not going to go, if you're not going to go completely undefeated, why even bother? <laughs> you're going to do something. Do it right. You know, undefeated. Congratulations. That is uh, all kinds of awesome. Uh, heard that over the weekend. Um, I happen to see this story, and it's uh, actually a bit of sad news, uh, but one that uh, I definitely wanted to, to share. Um, and I think the story actually. Uh, came out yesterday evening. I didn't see it until this morning on the Newswire, but I think the the uh, story actually came out uh, yesterday evening or yesterday afternoon. So you might have heard about this. Uh, a dog in Rhode Island whose inspiring story of going from shelter dog to life-saving police canine became the subject of a recent Netflix movie has been put down. Uh, state police said yesterday that canine ruby was euthanized following a sudden acute and untreatable illness uh colonel darnell weaver superintendent of the state police expressed gratitude for ruby's years of service a statement had said canine ruby dedicated her life to serve the citizens of rhode island and made a positive impact on every person she ever interacted with she became a symbol of hope for all shelter dogs showing the world what a shelter dog can do when just given love and the chance to shine. Uh, Ruby served with the Rhode Island State Police for 11 years. She was handled by Corporal Daniel O'Neill, part Australian Shepherd and part Border Collie. Ruby was one of the first shelter dogs trained to serve with the Rhode Island State Police. 
She participated in numerous search and rescue missions and made many public appearances during her career, gaining notoriety in 2017 when she located a teenage boy who was severely injured while hiking in the woods. In an ironic twist of fate, the boy turned out to be the son of the animal shelter volunteer who had fought to keep her from being put down in the first place. Um, uh the uh, the dog had apparently been returned by five families for being too rambunctious uh, before being adopted um, by uh, uh, Corporal O'Neill um, in uh, 2011. At the time, she was eight months old. Uh, she uh, earned national recognition for that rescue, being named the nation's search and rescue dog of the year. And her story was made into the Netflix movie Rescued by Ruby. Earlier this year, debuted on Netflix. Maybe you've seen that film. Uh, she had a full, happy, and wonderful life, not only as a trooper, but as part of a loving family, working right until the end, never giving up what she uh, doing what she loved the most, making people smile. Uh, Ruby was 11 years old. So some sad news. If you have seen that uh, that movie, which just came out on uh, Netflix. I was uh, saw the uh, uh, trailer for it. I haven't seen the movie, but I saw the trailer for it just the other day. Uh, and that uh, uh, dog, Ruby, in the subject of the film, uh, has uh, been put down to the age of 11. Sad news, but uh, honoring her service, uh, years of service to the community and the inspiration that she was to so many. Uh, let's see. What else is uh, going on in the uh, world? Here is a... Uh, Maybe the best news story that you will hear this summer, not just today, not just this week, but the best news story you will hear this summer. Google Earth and SC Johnson have teamed uh, to create a mosquito forecast for the summer. They use weather and climate data to provide Americans with a mosquito forecast to better help you plan yard parties and camping trips and outdoor activities during the summer months by mapping mosquitoes life uh, life cycle into the temperature and humidity swings that benefit their propagation um, periods of heat and humidity might accelerate the growth of mosquitoes from eggs to blood suckers. And if those periods of humidity move across regions, they could kickstart uh, broods as they pass by. Uh, this is called the off-cast mosquito forecast after the mosquito repellent off manufactured by SC Johnson. So yes, this is a promotional thing, but uh, the tool makes use of the Google search engine or the uh, Google Earth engine, which is the uh, tech giant's massive satellite image database. Professional entomologists are also on board providing data from past mosquito numbers from thousands of locations and detailed analyses of the various species lifestyle uh, life cycles. At the moment, the tool only exists in the U.S., but the developers hope to have versions for other countries soon. Entomologists have described the tool as very accurate, and it can offer a first line of protection to use before scientists genetically alter the animal to stop carrying the various diseases that plague society and so on. So spread by mosquitoes, but... Uh, as we come up on uh, mosquito season, they're not out there just yet, but you know they're coming. You can uh, check out the uh, off-cast mosquito forecast uh, to uh, plan out your gatherings around the mosquito outbreaks this summer. So, you're welcome. That's 
Pretty cool. Pretty cool science there. Uh, we are coming up on uh, travel season here before too long. Countdown is on to the Memorial Day weekend, which is the unofficial start of the summer and the official start of the summer travel season. If you want to go to the beach, how about a planning a trip to Maine? Apparently, this is a big thing on TikTok of, of late. People are losing their minds over the fact that Maine, the state of Maine, actually has more coastline than the state of California does. Um, this started with a uh, short video by TikTok user uh, Kinda Gwenish. I think is uh, how you pronounce it. I don't know this person's real name or screen name is Kinda Gwenish. Uh, and uh, she sh- shared the fact that uh, Maine actually has more coastline than California does. The difference in coastline length comes down to the shape of the two states. Um, uh, Statistically, California features a general coastline of 840 miles, and Maine's is just 228 miles. But uh, general coastline only refers to the general outline of a state's sea coast or the rough coastline you'd see when you were looking at a zoomed-out version of the map. Tidal shoreline, though, includes everything. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration defines it as including shoreline of outer coast, offshore islands, sounds, bays, rivers, and creeks to the point where tidal waters narrow to a width of 100 feet. So if you, and Maine has many inlets, so when you include those measurements, the total tidal shoreline of Maine is 3,478 miles. California, by comparison, has 3,427 miles, since it is a much more smooth uh, smooth border, not as many inlets and things like that. So, Maine, actually more coastline than California. How about Who would have thunk it? And apparently, uh, people on TikTok are losing their minds over this. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, make of it what you will, but if you're looking for a uh, coastal vacation, sounds like Maine is your state. Uh, let's see. And, uh, oh, this I, I think was kind of interesting. Speaking of uh, vacation uh, season, which is right around the corner, and maybe if you are uh, traveling to your vacation by plane, uh, air travel, big rebound after the uh, pandemic. Have you ever eaten something on a plane and it just didn't taste the same a lot of people uh, talk about airline food and i know a lot of uh, airlines particularly the discount airlines don't serve meals anymore like they did once upon a time but uh if you travel first class or if you travel internationally you're likely to get a meal uh on board the flight um, or you can pay extra for a meal on certain airlines, whatever. If you've ever had an airline meal and it just doesn't taste good, here's why. A new study finds that people's perceptions of smells and tastes are different in the air. This happens for a variety of reasons, the top one being the way reduced air pressure in the aircraft, as compared to on terra firma, how that affects the human body, specifically how oxygen saturation in the blood is reduced when you are flying, and that affects your olfactory and taste receptors. Aroma chemist Dr. Andrea Burdak-Freetag 
uh, says of the study, in the air, food and drink tastes like it does, kind of like when you've got a cold, is what she likens it to. She says, flying also affects our psychological perception. Since we are in an unfamiliar environment, we are less inclined to notice certain details. According to the study, uh, this pushes up stimulus thresholds with the result that a stronger stimulus is required to trigger a response. What they eventually concluded in the study is that uh, the average person's sensitivity to sweet and salty food is reduced by 30% in flight. Uh, And to combat this, airlines will sometimes add extra salt, extra sugar, even extra carbonation to the drinks to enhance the tastes of certain food and drink products. So if that airline meal has ever just tasted a little weird or just not tasted as good as uh, as you thought it should, there is a scientific reason why, and it's not just because the food's bad. I mean, that may be the case, too. <laughs> the food may not be very good, but uh, that is not the only reason. So something to keep in mind as we uh, come up on summer vacation season. Anyway, some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather, showers possible early today, then becoming mostly sunny with a high of 72. It'll be partly cloudy tonight, a low of 52. It's National Police Week, and Hancock County Sheriff Michael Heldman is asking people to thank those who serve and who put their community safety above their own. Very heartwarming to me as the sheriff to see the support of law enforcement. The sheriff's asking people to thank all who serve as a law enforcement officer, and especially to remember the family of fallen Bluffton officer Dominic Francis and the Bluffton Police Department. The Fort Finley FOP Lodge held its annual memorial service for fallen officers, and you can see video from that service on the website. An Ohio Department of Transportation vehicle was involved in a fiery crash on I-77 near Akron. A dump truck veered off the highway and hit the back of the ODOT truck, causing a huge fireball. ODOT's Matt Bruning is asking drivers to keep their eyes peeled for ODOT vehicles on the side of the road. You know, these are men and women who have families at home they want to go home to every day at the end of their work day, just like all of us do. And all they ask while they work to keep you safe on the road is that you keep them safe by moving over and slowing down and paying attention when they're out there. ODOT says this is the 82nd ODOT crew that's already been struck this year. See video of that crash on the website. Ohio farmers are well behind last year at this time for getting their crops into the ground. The U.S. Department of Agriculture says farmers have planted 5% of the corn crop and 4% of soybeans. By this time last year, 26% of corn have been planted and 20% of soybeans. Those numbers are much closer to the five-year average for Ohio farmers at this point of the season. Dave James, I went in news. The University of Finley women's golf team completed a perfect season over the weekend, winning the Division II national title. The university says since January, the Oilers participated in eight tournaments, winning every one and putting together arguably the best season in the history of Division II women's golf. The final tournament of the season was played over the weekend in Georgia, where the Oilers claimed their national championship. Get more news online at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. So 
what comes to mind when you hear the words retirement planning? Probably you think of making the right investments, your 401k, your IRA, maybe your company's pension plan, although that's pretty rare these days. Well, our next guest says that all of those things are important but incomplete. Tony Hickson is a local retirement planner, Finley native, who has written a new book called Retirement Stepping Stones, Find Meaning, Live with Purpose, and Leave a Legacy. And Tony, first off, uh, explain what makes your book different from the literally thousands of others out there that have been written uh, on the subject of retirement planning. And then we can kind of talk about how you came to embrace the approach that you do. Sure. Yeah. What makes my book different and unique? Um, when you say thousands, uh, it's no joke. I think 1000 literally comes out from the Ramsey network. So <laughs> yeah. there are millions of financial books and they all come at it from a you know a different perspective on checking financial boxes or or identifying your your latte factor and trying to save three dollars a day and if you do that it'll compound to a zillion dollars by the time you're 62 right um, all, all that's great and necessary and fine and I am a financial advisor but my book comes at retirement from a non-financial perspective and um, it was born from a personal tragedy that occurred in my life and um, my eyes were opened to that transition into retirement and how difficult it can be from a mental perspective. I was 10 years into the business when um, my mom came to me for um, a second opinion on a uh, transition for, for her into retirement. And my mom, her name's Pam, her career was in the healthcare industry. That career in home health um, really launched her passion and desire to really take care of those that were um, in the hospice program. And um, it's there that she found her greatest purpose and her greatest calling. And it was there that she found her biggest burnout. Yeah. Uh, caring for those patients day in and day out, making friends with them and or their families, and then basically attending their funeral and repeating that each and every day for, for the duration of your career. She was burnout spiritually, emotionally, relationally. Mm -hmm. She really just started to think that um, she needed to get out and be done. And retirement is the American ideal. Right. And so she went to her primary financial advisor. And so it wasn't me. We separated family and business, which is appropriate. Mm -hmm. And she went to her primary financial advisor and gave her all her um, financial information. And that advisor checked all the financial boxes, whipped out her software, her credentialing and her experience and, and said, green light. Uh, you, you've done a good job saving, um, uh, give you the green light to retire. Yeah. Um, but, but because my mom, you know, loved me and knew what I did for a living, I was 10 years into my career at the time. She gave me the opportunity to give her a second opinion. And sure enough, I whipped out my credentialing, my software and my experience. And I too gave her the green light. So upon retirement in the fall of 2010, um, within a very short amount of time, she began to really lose her sense of purpose and meaning. And the career that had caused her the biggest burnout was also the career that gave her the most purpose. Mm -hmm. And she knew exactly what she was retiring from, but she had no idea what she was retiring to. Um, she, she had enough money to sleep at night. Yeah but not enough purpose to get up in the morning. And just to interject real quickly, I can hear a lot of folks saying that they relate to that. I mean, you know, that that part of the story is certainly not unique. Yeah, it does seem that um, a lot of retirees do prepare from a financial perspective. In fact, there's a 90-10 principle that we kind of embrace in our industry. 90% of 
your time prior to retirement is is checking the financial boxes and ensuring you have enough money. Yeah. And only 10% is like, eh, I'll find something to do. Um, but upon retirement, that ratio flips mm-hmm. and only 10% of your time really cares about money. And now you have 90% of your day to think, what am I going to do next? Yeah. So what happened then was in the fall of 2010, she did fall into um, you know a pretty deep depression and that continued through the winter. And in March, 2011, my mom, Um, she chose to take her life. Hmm. So that really became a seminal moment for you because before that experience, as you were saying, you know, you did what most financial planners would do when you're thinking about preparing for retirement, uh, strictly looking at the, or primarily looking at the uh, dollar signs, but then you realize that this gave you the opportunity to help other folks with that other part that, like I said, is so relatable to so many people. Yeah. And I'd be quick to admit, Chris, I didn't get there right away, but I would say that through the grace of God and through um, friends that rallied around me, I was, um, I really just made a choice to turn this tragedy into triumph and the stumbling block into stepping stones. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm trying my hardest to use this story to honor my mom and help retirees transition uh, to a life of significance beyond retirement. So how do you do that uh, as a financial planner? Uh, what does that look like? Well, you know, I'd be quick to say that checking those financial boxes as a financial advisor is appropriate. Still I'm, I'm important. Not, yeah. Still important. Um, However, um, we train our advisors to ask some pretty pointed and serious questions about what's next, Mm -hmm. questions about their values and what what was it that was important to them during their career that they did outside of the office hours. And now that they have this opportunity, 40 to 50 hours per week that are now free, um, how can they now embrace those values that they they kind of put on the sideline during their busyness of their career? that now can be um, really expressed more with uh, the time that they have so that they're truly excited about retiring to something. I'm curious, uh, when you started doing this, what was the reaction from clients? I would imagine this is not, these are not questions that they expect to be asked when talking about retirement planning. Yeah, you're, you hit the nail on the head. Clients are kind of shocked to hear us asking those non-financial questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the end, they understand the seriousness of it, that yeah. these life transitions can lead to anxiety, to depression. Um, you know, it can, it can lead to divorce. Um, you know, all of a sudden career oriented couple are now together all the time. And that can really, if you're not ready for it, mm-hmm. it can really weigh on a marriage relationship. So how do you come up with a plan, as it were, uh, this holistic plan, because I think on the financial side, it's relatively easy to you know work with the math and the formulas of how much money someone is going to need in order to uh, live uh, comfortably financially in retirement. But the other part of it, which is kind of the focal point, uh, certainly of the book and, and of the philosophy, I would imagine is more difficult to nail down. You're right. It's really programized. And uh, we ask questions regarding uh, identifying their values, maintaining social connections, um, maintaining physical health, and um, that emotional health as well. Um, because ultimately, that career, they've they found a lot of purpose in. And they've, 
They've got office relationships and friendships that they've gone to lunch with people and met them at the car, at the water cooler or in the break room. And all of a sudden on, on Monday morning, those, those, those friendships aren't there anymore. Yeah. And so it's finding those um, appropriate ways and questions to challenge these, our clients to ensure that they still have that, that safety net of social connections in the, in the next phase of life. Uh, obviously, from a business standpoint, this is a philosophy that uh, sets your uh, agency apart, your business apart from from others in this field, which um, uh, is attractive from a business standpoint. But I would imagine, you know, one of the hopes is that I- eventually uh, this will be more the norm or more mainstream uh, in this industry. Yeah, I would I would agree. Um, I think it's been far. Uh, it's been far too long that our industry has been so uh, numbers focused that uh, it's time for us to really, our, our entire industry to really embrace the the mental health aspect of that retirement transition. Hence the book, Retirement Stepping Stones, Find Meaning, Live with Purpose, and Leave a Legacy for Anyone Who Is Contemplating Retirement and What That Means. It is essential reading. Tony Hickson is the author. Do you have a website uh, in conjunction with the book that we can guide folks to? I do, Chris. Thanks for asking. So Tony Hickson, which is uh, H-I-X-O-N, TonyHickson.com forward slash book. Uh, um, books available on all major uh, retail outlets. And I'd be quick to say that uh, net proceeds from the sale of this book uh, do go to a scholarship fund that my wife and I set up at the University of Finley, uh, the Pam Hickson Memorial Nursing Scholarship Fund. And net proceeds from the sale of this book will go to a scholarship fund that will uh, allow nursing students that attend the University of Finley that have financial need and display good grades. It is moving and it is extremely thought-provoking. Tony, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. Take care. So last week you heard the news that a... uh Big new residential development is going up on Findlay's north end. Hancock County Economic Development Director Tim Miley called it a major step toward the gateway vision for the area. Uh, Tim Miley is with us uh, in the studio this morning. First of all, what did you mean when you say said it, it call it a major step? Uh, and explain how it fits into this, uh, what do you call the gateway vision for that uh, sure. part of town? Sure. Thanks for having me, Chris. So if you go back to 2018, 2017, pre-COVID, and we're trying to figure out what the north end of Finley looks like. Hard to like. remember that it, long ago it, now. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Seems like a lifetime ago. Right. And we were primarily focused on that southwest corner of 99 and 75. Mm-hmm. And we were looking at mixed-use residential retail, which is something that we still want to go after. And we're starting to early look at the 99-75 interchange. Right. Well, one of the things that you need is residential growth if you're going to have retail and of course blanchard valley health system bought that land and they are working through their their process to determine what they're going to put there Mm -hmm. so this is the first major piece of the corners that we've been looking at and we can kind of talk about all the corners if you want on the interchange right where we've had a significant investment i mean this is tens of millions of dollars that castle will be developing it'll be the initiation of infrastructure It'll be able to take us to market for the rest of the land that, hey, there is someone investing here. So it's major because it takes this concept that we had and it goes from concept to reality. So was that a deliberate uh, 
recruiting or uh, of that particular type of de- development as a springboard for that, or did is it just kind of a happy coincidence? I was first introduced to Casto about three years ago, and we pitched this site to them early on, and of, and of course we we ran into COVID and things slowed slowed down a little bit, but we continued on due diligence and and working with them, and they stayed patient, we stayed patient, and then over the last year. Uh, things really started to get serious and due diligence of them wanting to understand the community and us working with the city and the county on how do we service the site and rezoned and replatted. So all those steps have been have been going forward leading up to what happened last week, which was City Planning Commission officially approving the site plan. That uh, that general area is the site of a lot of residential growth uh, right now. You've had a, a couple of uh, apartment complexes go in. There's another one under construction, and now this one. Um, I, I'm guessing that you're hoping that that the other components uh, will follow in pretty short order. Correct. So if you just take a look at the southwest corner of 99 and 75, this development is going to be directly north of Hillcrest Golf Club, east of Technology. And it'll go up north, kind of where those power lines sit. As you mentioned, west of Technology Drive, John Aubrey just finished Horizon Point Villas. Mm-hmm. And there's some remaining land that fronts 99, the west side of Technology Drive. And the same developer is going to most likely put some townhomes there. So that will wrap the entire site with about 60 acres remaining. 20 acres will be for the health system. And then the remaining 40 is where we see some retail and complementary commercial to everything else at the health system. And we're still not ruling out the idea that we had for an indoor recreational facility out there as well. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, that's just one component. That particular corner um, is where a lot of attention has been uh, focused. And again, kind of interesting uh, in that whole uh, land use or land development uh, plan, because as you said, uh, Blanchard Valley Health System uh, purchased part of that land a uh, number of years ago without a whole lot of ideas of exactly what they were going to do with it eventually. So uh, perhaps maybe that's starting to take a little bit more shape. Yeah, you know, I got to give Scott Mullaney credit. He's the one who came up with the name Gateway when they're officially, when we were talking to the health system years ago about this. And of course, they did it for defensive and offensive reasons. And of course, their whole world's been then changed right. as well. Sure. Um, but they are continuing to evaluate. They will be doing something up there. And, and I hope sometime this year they'll have some more clarity as they work through their entire system of of where they're going to be. And the other interesting part is the northeast corner then. We we expect the developer to go to planning commission probably this summer. And it's not going to be a big, sexy development. But what it will do is, is a critical component is we have a relationship with the landowners, and this developer will be required to extend Speedway Drive to the north, which will get into where that vacant property is, uh, what's called Dr. Lai's property, uh, local physician who owns it mm-hmm. but that will get the infrastructure going north because we've never really quite been able to get to that property so that's the property north of where the old train museum mm-hmm. used to be yep. which there's about 100 and some acres sitting there and that's the property where two weeks ago we announced when director Maholik was in town that we have environmental assessment we don't expect there to be an issue on that property but any developer wants to make sure that all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. So we're going to go out there and make sure that the site is clean, which we expect it to be. And we have some interest in that site as well. You mentioned the the terminology, uh, talking about the gateway vision for that area. Explain what that means. So if you're coming through Finley 
frequently we have people that come in for sporting events and they never get to see downtown Finley. Or I have developers who come in from as close as Toledo or Columbus, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, and they say, we've driven through your community for years on I-75 and we never knew this or we never knew that. They never knew Dietz's was here. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they, you, you can pick it. We didn't know Marathon was headquartered in your downtown. We never knew you had such a great downtown. So that's one of the reasons we want to have a gateway. We want to have something on I-75 that represents our community. And our community is, we, we talk about world-class, doesn't mean we're the largest city anywhere, but what we do, we think we do pretty well. And so we want to have that first impression on the interstate. The divergent diamond infrastructure, along with this development going around it mm-hmm. and what we're trying to put in, will really give a first impression on Finley. Because right now, uh, we've talked to people, and what do they think about, uh, I think we've talked about this in the past, the Sugar Beet Towers, they think about the Flag City Bridge. Their first question is, where's the flag factory? Right. And um, I understand the history of Flag City. Maybe we should build great. one of those. Yeah, <laughs> it make our life easier because we get that question all the time. Yeah. But um, it really is an opportunity to put the traffic and give a reflection of Finley out on the interstate. So, uh, again, if this uh, residential uh, development is, the, uh, is a major step toward that, as you were saying, What's next then, and how do you envision all of that um, coming together over the next, what, couple, three years? Couple, couple, three years is accurate. So I would say what's next is probably the northeast corner later this summer mm-hmm. where the developer will come in and we'll be able to roll Speedway Drive to the, to the north. We are working with the city and the county very closely in regional planning. We've talked about rebranding County Road 99 right. to something different. Mm-hmm. Um, think like Innovation Parkway or something like that. Mm-hmm. The city and county are working together for annexations. I think we'll see that happen this year because it's kind of a mixed match of city road, then county road. And then later this year, ODOT will vote to award probably close to another $20 million for the interchange. So that way we can go to bid in early 23. Construction may be as late as late 23 and, and as early as 2024. Mm-hmm. And then in that time period, somewhere in there, Blanchard Valley Health System will solidify what they're going to be doing. So, and then the final piece is that remaining 40 acres, we're being um, patiently waiting for the health system because we'll have a better chance at retailers to go out there. Everybody wants Target, right? I don't know if we're getting sure. a Target, but right. well, and <laughs> we will, I think we can get retail there. And, and that's what I was going to say. You, you're looking at uh, retail in the sense of maybe a strip plaza or something. Are you talking big box retailer? What type of? Uh, probably a grocery store. Uh, the, the market right now would support a grocery store on that end of town. Certainly if you get even more residential. Correct. We think say. the residential growth along 140 and everything that's going on right now, we, had, mm-hmm. we did a market study grocery store would be supported right now mm-hmm. there would probably be they could be an anchor there could be a larger anchor retail tenant out there uh, think about uh potentially a, a hotel especially if we get the uh, recreational area in there so sports teams traveling in so there there's a mixed bag in the market study that we completed that we think could be supported now and then if we can get some of these other things accelerated it'll give us a better chance to go out because if you have medical as your anchor it makes it a lot easier for everybody else to finance and yeah. and be able to build out. It is in a, in a 
community this size, I mean, you you then be looking at uh, another sort of neighborhood unto itself, uh, a group of retail. I mean, you already have a cluster of retail uh, off of I-75 at 224. Correct. Uh, obviously, out on Tiffin Avenue and the east side uh, of Finley. Does would this cannibalize either of those? No, it would not. So it would it would reach a new market uh, right now. We. Our market study, we did look at Tiffin Avenue. We looked at every grocery store in the community. We looked at every residential complex, and we, we took a look to see how those stores are doing, mm-hmm. and everything points toward more. And we, we just have a lot of people coming to that area of town because the southeast corner we didn't talk about, that's the cube. Right. And the amount of right. tournaments that the Convention Visitors Bureau and the City Recreation Department are driving through that area, we really need these amenities up there. Again, uh, Hancock County Economic Development Director Tim Miley with us uh, this morning talking about the uh, development of the so-called gateway area uh, of Finley's North End. That uh, new residential development announced last week, a major step uh, toward the uh, eventual development of that. And we'll continue to watch as uh, uh, that progresses. Tim, thanks very much for uh, dropping by. We appreciate it. You're welcome. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. A Florida man who went... little politics here in uh, today's broken news. Uh, out of uh, Florida, where weird things always seem to happen. A Florida man who wanted President Biden arrested is now facing charges himself. <laughs> Jacob Philbeck of Palm Harbor, Florida was arrested last week after he allegedly placed two 911 calls in which he said the president needed to be put into prison. <laughs> now, regardless of what you, how you feel about President Biden and the job he's doing, uh, I, I'm sure that there are a lot of folks who can commiserate with this uh, person's uh, political point of view. However, calling 911 <laughs> about it is probably not the best uh, course of action. The sheriff's office says the 29-year-old was warned not to use 911 for non-emergencies, but then he called again and made the same request. <laughs> so he was placed under arrest. Deputies note that they believe alcohol was a factor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's <laughs> let's see. Uh, Four Florida men accused of committing armed robberies disguised as law enforcement officers. That's an interesting twist. Uh, Federal indictment uh, unsealed in Tampa says a group of four men committed five holdups against various drug dealers over the past couple of years. Prosecutors say they uh, wore uniforms uh, or or clothing like... um, I don't want to say riot gear, but you know when they when they do a drug raid or something, they they wear the the vests and such. Says sheriff across it. Well, that's what they were wearing, and they were driving uh, what looked to be sheriff's patrol cars. Reginald Roberts, Nathaniel Carr, Daniel Jackson, and Krishan Butler could face minimum sentences of fourteen to thirty one years in prison if convicted. <laughs> File that under the category of. Sounded like a good idea at the time. What could possibly go wrong? Turns out quite a bit. Uh, Let's see here. That strikes me as a very risky thing to do, robbing drug dealers. But you figure they're not going to report it, right? Apparently one of them did. Uh, 
A couple in India. Did you hear about this? I saw this on uh, social media over the weekend. A couple in India is suing their son and his wife for not giving them a grandchild. Uh, The couple have been married for six years. Uh, The son and daughter-in-law have been married for six years. And uh, the couple um, have filed a lawsuit earlier this month claiming mental harassment for the lack of grandchildren. I mean, six years, they say, we've waited long enough. We want grandkids. The lawsuit seeks $650,000 in compensation if a grandchild is not born within the next year. So they better get busy. This takes a while to incubate. So the the couple even said that they would raise the child if their son and and his wife were too busy with their careers. Well, I mean, that seems to be fair. (laughs) We just want a grandchild. We'll raise him, but you have to have the child. The issue actually set uh, for a court hearing next week. Apparently, that's a big thing. Well, it's, you know, it's a big thing in every culture, but especially in India. This is a big deal. So. Want a child, and they're not messing around. Grandchild, they're not messing around. Uh, this is an unusual theft, uh, kind of a, a twist of irony. Uh, this is uh, Las Vegas, where this comes from. A woman stole a Tesla, and uh, let's see here, stole uh, a Tesla out of a parking lot in Vegas, Its owner remotely tracked the wild escapade as she fled police. And uh, (laughs) what happens with a Tesla? Eventually, it runs out of uh, out of juice. Right. So you have to charge it. Well, this woman who stole the Tesla ended up at a charging station. Unfortunately, uh, she wasn't uh, juicing up the car's battery. The Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department and Nevada State Police apparently engaged the woman in a chase. And uh, she ended up at the uh, vehicle charging station where she she slammed into another Tesla who had the misfortune of deciding to charge up at the worst possible time. (laughs) Um, Apparently, she caused major damage to the other car. No injuries, though, were reported. And the suspect, who has not been identified, was arrested for grand larceny, grand grand theft auto. So, (laughs) but she just happened to. Stole a Tesla, ran into another Tesla. I just thought that was kind of ironic. And finally, in the broken news this morning, this also from the international file. Imagine going out with your friends for a night of drinking and ending up in an entirely different country. Uh, Dan Evans and Alex Stubbs uh, hit the town in Wales, England, earlier this month. They started drinking in the afternoon, promising each other that they would they would be done and they would be home by 11.30 p.m. Someone joked that they should go to Spain instead, and the two men agreed there was no time like the present. In their, in their drunken stupor, they called a taxi, which took them home to pick up essentials before headed to the... And then they headed to the uh, Cardiff airport. Uh, Dan said when we got there... Uh, the uh, the initial flight where they were going to go was fully booked, but there was a flight to Ibiza, the <laughs> Spanish island in the Mediterranean Sea, and uh, that was available, so we booked ourselves to that one. We literally partied the whole weekend, and when the sun was came up on uh, Sunday morning, we had to think about how we were going to get home. <laughs> 
It was more difficult getting a plane back, but they finally got one, flew back to London in plenty of time to be back at work on Monday. <laughs> a bit of a shock to the system, he said, but it was all worth it. They had a an adventure to talk about. <laughs> Can you imagine? Just on a whim, flying to an entirely different country. <laughs> that is a weekend adventure right there. There you go. Uh, that is uh, today's broken news. Uh... <laughs> this update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. This is the sound of a popular American motorcycle. It's the sound of freedom, the open road, really good times. And this is what it sounds like with a drunk guy in it. How do you like the sound of that? Cops are cracking down on drunk motorcycle riders. If you ride drunk, you will get caught and you will get arrested. Drunk riding. Over the limit, under arrest. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Transportation. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives on this, uh, on that latter note. Uh, this is a uh, survey that just screaming out to be perfect for Monday, you know, Monday, waking up, having to head back to work after a long weekend, Monday. When was the last time you truly felt good? I mean, where you felt 100%. Apparently, that is becoming an increasingly rare commodity these days, according to a new survey of 2,000 people. It turns out that adults only uh, truly feel good, both mentally and physically, less than half of the time. 47% said that they only really feel good less than half the time. One in four in this poll say that they deal with anxiety at least once per week. 40% battle muscle aches on most days. On an especially depressing note, just under 6 in 10, 57% to be specific, say they rarely feel on top of their game physically. Another 61% have simply accepted that these little aches and pains, these nagging aches and pains are part of their daily life. Uh, the poll was put together by MyVibe, which, uh, which is kind of a personal wellness platform. They asked respondents why they think they feel that way. And the top answers included not exercising enough, a poor diet, and not having enough hours in the day, which kind of speaks to the less uh, kind of the, the, the mental or the emotional uh, well-being that we just uh, don't have enough hours in the day over the course of an average 24 hour period, including time spent sleeping. Respondents estimate they only feel 100 percent for around 10 hours and 12 minutes. And. I don't know, that estimate might even be a little high. By 70, have you ever really thought about it? How often do you really, truly feel 100%? It is increasingly rare these days. Well, we all know the stories in the news about how the labor shortage has uh, really hit a lot of employers hard and whether it's because they see an opportunity because of that or maybe it's because of inflation and prices rising it's just getting 
harder and harder to avoid or to afford stuff uh, these days. Or maybe it's simply out of boredom. But whatever the reason, a large number of older Americans are now looking to rejoin the workforce. And uh, with that in mind, there is a senior job fair that will be happening tomorrow to help match those uh, older folks with available opportunities. Uh, Brianna Ybarra from uh, Ohio Means Jobs, Hancock County, is with us this morning. This is not the first time that you have done this, um, but you continue to see, uh, first of all, that demand. And then it kind of goes along with what we were talking about a little bit earlier on the on the program. A lot of times you see folks who retire and then realize that, hey, maybe this isn't all it was cracked up to be. I'd like to go back to work and do something with my time. Yes, so we had a similar event in September of 2021, and we had such a great turnout that we thought we would do it again. Mm -hmm. Um, We had roughly 23 employers and roughly 110 job seekers who were in attendance. So this time we have around 35 to 40 employers, and we're hoping for a bigger turnout. So even more uh, employers, which uh, just speaks to the fact that there are so many uh, businesses that are looking for people. So... Uh, the the demand is there. The opportunities are there. For a lot of folks, though, I, especially uh, older folks who haven't done the job-seeking thing in a long time, perhaps, maybe they uh, retired from a lengthy career at one job or what have you, it can be a little intimidating uh, these days uh, to, to go out and, and, you know, think about looking for a job again, right? Yes. Um, and I would definitely say that if you are nervous at all, our office is open until 430 today, so they can stop out at 7746 County Road, Suite B, if they would like assistance with a resume or cover letter or just general interview tips. Mm-hmm. And if they're not available today, we will be at the job fair tomorrow to assist with all of those needs. That is one of the things, I mean, not just, uh, you know, introducing potential employers to potential employees, uh, a lot of good information for uh, for folks uh, at the job fair as well. Yes, yes. We want to make sure that whoever is in attendance at the job fair, if they would like a job, we hope that they leave with one. And we want to make sure that they're successful and they have that confidence. And there are all types of opportunities. So whether somebody is looking for something, you know, just during the summer months or mm-hmm. just looking to work part time or maybe even re-entering the workforce full time, uh, you've got all of the above. Yeah. So we have um, employers that will be coming tomorrow will range from healthcare to customer service to warehouse to education. We have seasonal jobs for those that go south for the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, we have part-time work, and we also have full-time opportunities available, too. So whatever level mm-hmm. uh, you are, are looking to reintegrate to the workforce, and, and that kind of also speaks to something that we saw during the pandemic over the uh, past couple of years. A lot of folks uh, were saying, you know what, maybe I'm just going to retire early and mm-hmm. uh, you know just uh, you know, kind of hang everything up. But again, now that we're a couple of years past that, you start to think, get a little restless and say, I have uh, more to offer. Yes. And I would say for anyone 50 and up, this is the perfect time to reenter the workforce just because employers are offering so many benefits and so much flexibility right now. So if you're just looking for something part-time, you can let that be known and they're willing to work with you. As you mentioned, there are a wide range of opportunities that are available that will be represented at uh, at the job fair uh, tomorrow. And again, this is geared specifically towards seniors uh, mm-hmm. age 50 uh, plus and it'll be at 50 North. Um, the 
one of the other things, and, and I think we've talked about this on the uh, on the program before, uh, there are all kinds of ways to apply the skills that you have or the things that you have learned over the years uh, to a wide range of uh positions and employers increasingly are being very flexible and very innovative in looking at what uh you know what qualifications uh they would look for for a certain position yes and if anyone would need assistance in how to like tie their specific skill set to a job that they're looking for we have career counselors on our staff that can assist them in doing that is that something that when you talk to especially older folks who haven't done this for a while um, is that something that uh, sometimes people are surprised that that the skills that they have, they don't recognize how many different ways those can be applied to into uh, into new careers? I would say yes, because I hear a lot of time our career counselors, you know, you have this specific skill set, but why don't we kind of change how you're wording it? Mm-hmm. And then it, we can help you fit it to that job. Yeah. And then we can update your resume to that specific job. Yeah, I would imagine mm-hmm. a lot of folks will say, oh, gee, I never really thought about it that way. I never yeah. thought that I would be uh, qualified for this particular. I never thought that I would be good uh, at this particular job. And and sometimes you find a whole different passion out of that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, so give us the uh, details on the uh, job fair. This is happening tomorrow, right? Yes. So the event will be held tomorrow, May 17th from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. at 339 East Melrose Avenue, Finley, Ohio. Um, so that's at the 50 North Senior Center. Mm-hmm. We have roughly 35 to 40 employers coming and we hope to see you out there. And it is as simple as that. Do, do folks need to bring anything with them uh, when they when they come? I mean, what would I need if I wanted to, to go out and explore the opportunities? I would suggest bringing a resume or cover letter. Um, and like I said, if you don't have one, don't let that deter you from coming. We can always help you when you get there with a resume. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also do have some spaces to fill for the employer side. So okay. if there are any employers that are interested in signing up, um, you can call me at 419-429-8081 and we can definitely reserve you a space if you're interested. And uh, you, I should point out that the folks are not necessarily obligated to take a job if you're just kind of uh, dipping your toes in the water, just mm-hmm. seeing what's out there. This is a good opportunity to see what might be available if you're starting to think maybe uh, you'd like to uh, investigate those possibilities. Yep. Yes. So whether you're just coming to look for a job or if you're, you know, going for moral support for a just friend, curious. come check it out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, from two to four, this is happening tomorrow at 50 North. And uh, we've got a link up on our webpage for uh, more information about it too, goodmornings.net. So you can uh, check that out and uh, find out what it's all about. Again, a lot of opportunities that are available uh, mm-hmm. out there to be sure, whatever level of interest you have to reintegrate into the workforce. Uh, Brianna Yabara, again, with the Ohio Means Jobs of uh, Hancock County. And as you alluded to, if tomorrow doesn't work for you, you can also you can always uh, help folks uh, connect with uh, open opportunities at Ohio Means Jobs, right? Yes. We are open 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Monday through Friday. Um, If you're unavailable tomorrow, feel free to stop out or give us a call. All right. Very good. Uh, Brianna, thanks very much for uh, dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks again to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That, of course, goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program... 
Ohio Governor Mike DeWine has joined nearly two dozen other states' leaders in opposition of a proposed federal rule they say would be detrimental to the charter school movement. We'll explain why. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.